You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, everyone? Jose Youngster with MMAfighting.com here with another Monday edition of the A-Side live chat. Now, we're still in quarantine. We're still under this pandemic. So as always, we're doing more on Mondays and Fridays, and we're trying to get more fighters on. So joining us this Monday is, of course, our Monday co-host, Alex K. Lee. And the man joining the two of us needs no introduction. UFC lightweight veteran Joe Lozon, who was on time, not only on time, but early. Excellent crystal clear picture. So 10 out of 10 hosts so far, Joe. We haven't even gotten any questions in. <laughs> on time. I got good internet. We're good. I got, I got to have that good internet for gaming. So well, there you go. Yeah, he was gaming before we got on. Before we get before we get into the questions, we spoke briefly on it. I know our fans are going to probably want to know how are you dealing with quarantine life and amid this pandemic? Uh, quarantine life is not that different than like week after a bad fight life. Like for the most part, like I just, you get beat up. You don't want to see anyone. You just stay in and play video games. Uh, you're kind of cut off from the world. Uh, pretty, pretty similar for the most part. I'm basically just, you know, staying home, playing with my kids. I have a bouncy house set up over to my left, uh, for my kids for our downstairs room. So that's been going nonstop for like a week. Uh, but it's good. It's all right. It's not bad. What did you tell your young kids when if they ask about uh, what's going on in the world right now? Like, I'm sure they're they're like they're not in school or they can't go hang out with friends. They're probably asking, like, what? Why can't I do this? So what do you tell uh, a young kid like that? So if Joey were here, he would give you a lesson all about the coronavirus. He's six. He's like, <laughs> we have no school because there's a virus. It's called the coronavirus. It's very contagious. You have to wash your hands. Uh, so, I mean, they, they get it. I mean, they understand, uh, you know, like it's, it's no different than them than honestly, like a, a typical summer, right? They don't have school, they don't have whatever. Um, you know, every day he's like, do I have school tomorrow? Like, no, no school tomorrow, probably another month or so. Um, you know, it's, but, but, you know, they understand, you know, kids are smarter than people, you know, think sometimes. Well, they sound like they're smarter than half the world already with that that <laughs> that coronavirus lesson you gave us. Uh, but of course, this is not our show. This is the fan show. You guys can drop on Twitter. You can go on the site. You can ask Joe, me, or Alex if you want to ask us any questions. That'd be kind of weird. But uh, you can ask us any questions you want, MMA or non-MMA related. I say that because, Joe, we had Michael Chiesa on. We had about a 30-minute tangent about hunting Bigfoot. Uh, with Michael Chiesa and Corey Sanhagen kind of got into a tangent on uh, crystal healing and everything. So there's no yeah. rules on the A-side live chat. So Casey, our director, is in the background. Uh, everyone's favorite mustachioed hipster. Uh, excellent Stop coffee it. talk. If you haven't watched oh. it, go, go watch his coffee talk with Pat Wyman. But Casey, do we have mm-hmm. any questions up, teed up for Joe? Yes, we do. Now, uh, hold on one moment. Do-do-do. Here we go. Quote, question on the site from longtime commenter Trumbo. Question for Joe. First, just want to say I'm a huge fan of Joe, both his fights and the and the way he conducts himself. Thanks for all the amazing fights so far. Question: What's the biggest difference for you between the UFC between the UFC when you came into into it and how it is now? So, not specifically about yourself, but I guess the the promotion or organ, organization in general. What's the biggest difference 
I can imagine the Reebok deal, ESPN, and so on and so forth. Was there any real thing that stands out to you that's so dramatically different that maybe fans haven't realized? Uh, to me, the biggest difference is like the personnel difference, right? So there's obviously different people doing different jobs, but there's like each person has a much more specific job. Like when I, so I got to UFC, uh, it was UFC 63, 2006. And at that time, Sean Shelby was designing posters and he was the guy that was there that was basically when we signed the posters, he would like go on to the next poster, go on to the next poster, go on to the next poster, you know, like it's, um, you know, but so many people had so many different jobs. Whereas now there's so many shows that there's like, there's like 10 people on the medical team, whereas it used to just be one person. Right. So it's, um, there's like each, each person is like more specialized, I think for whatever their job is, whether it's doing media or doing this or doing that or doing media, but this particular thing or doing photos, but these particular photos or doing social media or doing this or that. It's just like, there's a lot more personnel, which obviously it makes sense, right? You have a lot more volume, a lot more workload. You got to hire people like don't have, you know, 10 people do 10 different things, have each person do one or two things. Joe, does that make things easier for you? Uh, easier, more difficult? Uh, like you said, they're more specialized now. So like you said, back then you kind of knew everyone, but now at least you know, uh, maybe you don't know everyone, but you know at least know they have specific departments for things. So easier, yeah, it, harder, it's, same? It's it's a little bit harder just because like before, like I had like personal relationships with every single person. I knew every single person. Like I knew exactly like if I had anything to do with medicals, I just asked this one person. I had anything about media, I could ask this one person. Now it's like, it's the, and the roles change, like the people change all the time too. So like what's going on for this show is different than what's going on for the next show. Or like what one person was in charge of, you know, for this week is different than in a year from now or whatever. So it's, it's a little bit different. Just kind of like, I'm, you know, before it was like, it was kind of easy. Like I knew exactly who to talk to, who to go to. Uh, now I was like, I don't really know who do I, you know? So I just, I reach out to like three or four people like, who's the best person for this <laughs> time and figure it out. But it's, it's all good. You know, it's just, that's the nature, right? Things get bigger, right? We want to be, we want to be more successful. It's become more successful. It's gotten bigger. There's more fighters. There's more fights. Um, growing pains. But it's good. It's really good. Would you say there was a certain, like, charm to the way it used to be? Or is that not the right word for it? Um, no, I mean, it's still, it's still just as good. I mean, it, it was it was, it was was nicer before when you had, like, you had, like, you have stories. You had background with every single person you dealt with. So that part was a little bit nicer. Um, but I think that, like, you know, kind of word just travels around. Like, I'm, I'm always been, like, since my first fight in the UFC, I've always been, like, I try to be super accommodating with the UFC. Um, I, you know, I, I see their point of view on a lot of things. I, you know, I understand the fighter's point of view. I understand their point of view. I understand how things have to work as a business and as a, as a show and everything else. Um, and I just, I, because I've tried to, you know, get along so well with everyone, I think that's kind of helped me when, even when new people come in, they're like, oh, that's Joe, you know, anything he wants, just, just help him out or, or, you know, <laughs> you know, do whatever. So it works well. Has it been, look, you, you mentioned there's a lot more, uh, specializes a lot more responsibilities that probably means you have more responsibilities during fight week too like when you debuted the social media was not where it is now do you miss the early days where you had less to do for the ufc during fight week and you can more concentrate on the fight at hand uh no i think it's better you know because a big part of it too is people don't realize how much media and stuff we do and a lot of it doesn't even get used sometimes you know so i might have like 10 things and like certain clips don't get used or we do certain things that's not even used just because you have to get do so much stuff to, just to get a couple good things you gotta kind of let the, the cream rise to the top a little bit so you scoop off all the best stuff so like it's just good practice 
it's great practice. Like if, if the first time you're ever doing some kind of media thing was like when you're Khabib and you're fighting for a title, right? Then that's, you know, he obviously didn't have as much practice. You know, you want those guys to get those reps in just like anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, so it's, it's good. It's good practice. Like it's easy. Like I am a, a super introvert. Like I would rather like not talk to anybody. Like I would have no problem. Like just like staying in my basement, playing Xbox for three months and not talk to anybody. Um, you know, but it's, it, it got me to, you know, be better, more comfortable talking to people and more comfortable, like being on camera and doing interviews. And people was like, Oh, if you, if you say something you, you don't want to come out, just let us know. We'll edit it out. I'm like, I just, I've done so many live interviews and things like that. Like, I'm just, I'm not even, I'm not concerned about that whatsoever. And this, this might be a weird way of phrasing it, but I spoke with BJ Penn before he fought Yaya Rodriguez. And this was one, like in the middle of one of his really long layoffs of fighting. And he said he what the fighting would come naturally, but he actually felt ring rust when speaking with the media. Like he had not done it for so long that he forgot really how to do it and how to handle himself. Is that a reality for you? Like if you take a long layoff like you did and then you fight on the Boston card, you're obviously going to have to do more media because you're on the Boston card and you're the hometown favorite. Do you feel any ring rust speaking with the media? Uh, not not too much. I mean, so I, I run my gym, so I'm, I'm always teaching classes. Uh, I've been running like the three to five year old class now because mm-hmm. my son's in the class. So like I run that class. So like I'm used to dealing with parents. I'm used to talking to kids all the time. And like so th- that part was all pretty easy because I do it all the time. Uh, BJ is like if I'm an introvert, BJ is like a super introvert. Like he does not like he's not like out there doing whatever. Like he's he likes nothing more than just kind of <laughs> laying low and, and hanging out. So, um, you know, but I, I got to see how that would be a little bit harder for him for sure. How good your son? Well, you said you're teaching your son. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's not, he's, so he's, he, he does it because he knows that I want him to do it. Right. Like I don't, I don't make him do it, but he's like, I want to do a good job so I don't have to do it again. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's all like the, the classes are half an hour. We go twice a week, uh, two or three times a week. Um, it's mostly like just playing games with them and stuff like that. It's like very little jujitsu. Like they're doing stuff that's all kind of around jujitsu, but like, um, but he has, he has fun with it, but, but a lot of the time he's like, I don't want to do this every day. Like, it's like, we do it like twice a week, like relax. It's for, you know, we, do, we spend like an hour, an entire week doing jujitsu. Like, um, but he's, I think, I think he'll grow into, I won't force him to do it. Like right now I kind of like, I don't force him to do it, but I, I, I kind of pressure him a little bit to do it. Uh, but it doesn't take a lot. It's just like, hey, you know, we have tiny to stay. Let's go. And, and he's good. So if he came up to you, say, in a year and goes, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore, would you be disappointed? I only asked that because I spoke with Edson Barbosa and he his son did the same thing when it came to Muay Thai. And he was like, he said, OK, but then he's like, I'm kind of heartbroken right now that my son doesn't want to do Muay Thai. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be a little bit heartbroken about it, but like I, I'm never going to force him to do it. Right. I'm going to like I'm going to make him dip his toes in. I'm not going to ever make him jump in with both feet, but he's going to dip his toes in for a little bit. He's going to get some kind of exercise. Like he's small. So like my wife is, is super short. She's like four foot 10. Um, so she's, she's really short. Joey, because of all that, he, when he was born, he was six. So he had chemo and all that other stuff. So he's really mm-hmm. short too. So that, that's just like, he's probably mostly short because of her, but it didn't help with all the other stuff he had. So like, um, he's going to need to build on how to fight a little bit. He's going to have to defend himself, stick up for himself a little bit. He's not going to be a big guy. So um, he's got to learn a little bit. Like I'll never make him, you know, like if he never wanted to compete and never wanted to do anything, I'll, I'm fine with that. But he has to at least do a little bit, you know, everyone should know how to defend themselves a little bit. It's being a proactive dad right there. Uh, I feel okay. bad. I feel bad for whoever tries to pick on his kid. Think if they're, you know, <laughs> if he grows, like he ends up being short and is like, Haha, I'm going to pick on this guy. And then, uh, don't know what's coming to them. Casey, any, any more questions we got coming for Joe? Thank you for the question again, Trombo. Always like hearing from you. All right, here we go. <clears throat> From Sean Denny, Denny Rants on Twitter, this question is for Joe on Massachusetts fighting. 
How much influence did the likes of Mickey Ward, John L. Sullivan, Marvin Hagler, and Rocky Marciano have on your fighting career? Huge fighting spirit in that era of the U.S. So, yes, Sean Denny uh, of Denny Rant's longtime commenter. Joe, you're from a uh, hotbed of combat sports, specifically boxing. Uh, I grew up in Providence, and I heard these names, but I didn't grow up in Massachusetts. So of these these names are obviously uh, royalty when it comes to not just Massachusetts combat sports, but all combat sports. But you drew, grew up in the hotbed. Did these fighters have any influence on you growing up? Um, not not a ton. Like I was never like my, my dad would watch like a Tyson fight or a Holyfield fight or something like that. But like my my family was never like super into like boxing or things like that. Uh, my family was actually super against me even training jujitsu and doing everything uh, else from the beginning, um, you know. But like, um, so our where my gym used to be. So when I when I first started training, the name of the gym was Reality Self Defense, right? And it seemed like it was a decent name for like a it was a karate school basically when it started. And then they added jujitsu, and that was when I came in. And um, but it, but so but the building was a nail factory. It used to be a nail factory like back <laughs> in the day, and Rocky Marciano was actually sponsored by the nail factory. Um, and so like he, he would do workouts, he would do media workouts up in our space, right where our gym was. So that, so that part was, was kind of cool. Um, but I wouldn't say that they were like a huge influence. You know, obviously like, you know, fighting spirit is obviously awesome. Um, but I think it's more so like the miserable winters we have out here. You know, we have like, you know, brutal hot summers and then miserable winters. Like you get it. Like it's, um, you just can't get, you you can't get comfortable. Like it's going to, no matter what, I like the cold. Okay. Well, cold's good. But now we're gonna bake you. Well, you like the yeah. heat? Okay, we'll, we'll bake you. But then we're gonna freeze you, in you know three months later, or two weeks later. It's crazy. Well, I think Joe Rogan said it the best way when he, there's a, there was an up and if you're an up and coming comedian, try to make it in Boston because everyone is miserable. So if you can make them <laughs> laugh, laugh, you'll succeed. Yeah. And I was like, nailed it right on the head. But like that September to like early November range, range that's the best. But then I remember when I was a kid, it snowed on Halloween once, so that could go out the window too. I remember, it's snowing here like it was like my birthday. It was like my birthday is May 22nd. And we had like a uh, we had snow. It wasn't a lot, but we had snow. Dang, it was crazy. In uh, kindergarten, Joe, I'm, I'm up in Canada. In I'm up in Canada, so yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you understand. Uh, well, Joe, I want. Oh, sorry, Jose, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. okay. Well, I was gonna say, you know, Mickey Ward was one of the names brought up. Most of us, I mean, for me, I'm sort of a more casual boxing fan. Of course, we know about him from The Fighter, great movie yep. that was made about him. Um, a lot of those other names in that question that was asked have had, you know, documentaries and movies made about their lives. You've had such an extensive MMA career. Do you ever think that uh, either one, you'll have a, a longer, like a full length documentary made about your career? I don't know if you keep that kind of footage. I know you had a mini documentary made a while ago. And or two, you know, if they make a movie about you someday, uh, who would play you? Uh, I, I've never thought about if they're gonna play me or who would play me if they did something like that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, we've we, we've had all kinds of you know people doing documentaries, things like that, come and you know visited the gym and, and talked about different projects and things like that. Um, I can't talk like specifics or anything, but we've had a, a few people come in and do like you know film like some extensive documentary stuff like on on not just me but the entire gym and kind of the atmosphere. Like we have like so I'm super lucky because uh, basically all the best guys in New England come to my gym every week to train. You know, so we all together get together on Saturdays. So I got you know Rob Font, Calvin Cater, um, you know really all the best guys. Devin Powell comes down from Maine. You know we got all the best guys in New England all come to us on Saturdays. We all together we beat the crap out of each other. We spar. Um, we, we, we show whatever, like, oh, like, you know, Nate Andrews fights in the, in the PFL or, you know, and like, you know, he's showing me guillotine stuff he likes to do and I'm showing them takedown stuff I like to do. Or I'm showing them back control stuff or like, we just all like, you know, everyone comes together and just puts everything together and, and, and gets to work out. So it's a really cool environment, you know? So we've had a, a few different people come out and, you know, try and film some stuff and, and, uh, you know, who, who knows if something's ever going to come of it, you know, that'll be solid. But 
uh, there's always interest in, in that. Just you know, having like all the best people around all kind of come together and and like I, I don't care about getting attention from my gym. I don't care about getting attention from me. I just I want everyone around here to do really really well. And it's just I think it's kind of like um, it's a little bit infectious about just trying to have everyone just help each other. You know, it's like no one's out there like oh well you have to do this for me you have to do that. It's like just come and train and get better. That's it. Yeah. I think, Joe, I see a little bit of a Jesse Eisenberg, maybe. Does anyone else think that? With some, <laughs> That's maybe not some, bad. If he bulks up, bad. a little prosthetics, maybe. of course, a little maybe. makeup. I know. I think he'd be – is he a Boston? No, he's not from Boston, I don't think. Uh, he's not, no, he's, he's not from Massachusetts. He's, he's in the Facebook movie. He, he, he parked, yes. Uh, Zuckerberg for the Facebook Correct. movie. Correct. He could yeah. be – the guy who plays Zuckerberg could play you in a movie. Think about that. It could work. It could work. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you look like Zuckerberg, so it's kind of a weird connection. But, uh, <laughs> acting, I do I do think acting, that would be really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Acting. acting. I do think other lot would be like really interested in hearing like more about your story, Joe. And like you said, even just like kind of the guys you trained with, and I bet they'd all have all kinds of stories. You trained with everyone in the New England area, so uh, yeah, that would be a very cool story. Okay, we got another question Hello. from our YouTube comments. There you go. Right here. Can you read it? Best boxing gangster movie, Boondock Saints, The the Departed, or The Town? Ooh. Oh, I, 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 Joe, I'll let you answer this one first. You, you can't go wrong with Boondock Saints ever. <laughs> Why you, you like Boondock Saints? I like Boondock Uh-oh. Saints, but in terms of an actual movie, I do think I think The Departed is the best one. See, here, okay, here's the problem I have with The Town. And I watched this movie with my dad in theaters, and he loved it until this moment, where at the end, a spoiler, like, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert right here. At the end, when they're getting ready for the big... Um, heist at Fenway Park and then he walks away and like the leaves are falling and everything my dad was like the leaves don't fall in Boston until October and they're getting ready for a four game series against the Yankees which will never happen in October because <laughs> it's the playoffs so my dad ruined that looking into for it me too much right there my dad ruined it for me right there so I'm gonna say the departed so the departed is great I would say the departed yeah. is probably the best overall movie of the bunch Right. But if 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 I could choose from watching one one of the three, I would put on Boondock Saints every single time. It's like you, you, you have to laugh the entire time. It's just it's so ridiculous. They shoot the cat. It's just like it's so good. There's so many good scenes. Like the so uh, good scenes. of those three movies, Willem Dafoe is by far the most captivating character of, of all of those three. For sure. Amazing. I'll give you that. It was a firefight. It was the whole movie was awesome. The entire movie. I, I still haven't seen the sequels. So I don't know if it holds up. Yeah. You never know when you need rope. You never know when you need some rope. Joe, that was not a, that was not a strong sell for people who haven't seen Boondock Saints. That, that there's a scene where someone shoots a cat. All right, there's more to the movie than that. The, the, a, the pieces don't do it against it's a, <laughs> the product as a whole. Uh, the yeah, product but, as a whole. Uh, it's like there's there's always like so the way Boondock Saints basically goes for people who haven't seen it's about some, some guys in Boston, some brothers, and they basically get in some trouble with like the as Russian mafia or something like that. And basically, it's like. Some some kind of crazy thing happens, but they never show you the crazy scene. They always show you like the aftermath first. So you mm-hmm. see the aftermath, and everybody's like, "Oh, what is going on? How did this happen? Like, what is going on? Like, guys shot up, guys covered in blood, all this other stuff." And then afterwards, it kind of it does like a flashback, and you see like the insanity of like just ridiculous about how things happened and it played out. It's just like the movie's amazing. It's so good. Uh, the I, didn't see the second one. I, heard, I heard the second one was kind of trash. I haven't seen the second one, but I know the story behind the making of the first one is also pretty out of control, like the director pitching the screenplay and everything. So if you don't know that story, that might be more interesting than the story itself, because it's like I think they should make a movie on that. So I don't want to. I haven't seen that. I'll have to to go look that up. I got to see what's going on because it's like anyway. I think think there's a documentary on the making of Boondock Saints. 
There should be. Yeah, I, 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 I think there is actually. That's yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay, so Mr. Uh, Mr. Filmmaker, what do you say? What's the best uh, Boston mob movie, gangster movie of those three? Oh, um, Casey. The Departed. There you go. Yeah, Boondock Saints though is a fun. It's a it's a fun, it's, 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 it's Boondock Saints is a fun watch for sure. Here's for sure. Here here's another like the, the Departed has another like soft spot in my in my heart because that that like chunk in Boston history, the Red Sox win the World Series in '04. They oh, win the World Series in 07. Patriots defeated. Celtics go, win the NBA championship. This is all the 2005 to 2008 range. Gerard Mayo wins uh, Rookie of the Year for the New England Patriots. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, Matt Ryan wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. Where did he go to college? AK? That's right, Boston College. And then he gets drafted to the Falcons. The Pawtucket Red Sox win the uh, my, the international uh, AAA championship. The Providence Bruins win the AHL championship. And where did the departed take place, Casey? And then one movie of the year? That's right, Boston. So Boston dominated that chunk it's of time. Exhausting. It's exhausting being a Boston fan. <sighs> People don't realize how long our seasons are. Our seasons are why always are longer than everyone else's. Why did, I, why did I agree to this show? Why did I agree to this show? I knew, I, was, I knew what I was walking into. I knew what I was walking uh, into. AK's a big Raptors fan, and he was on the show after that debacle of an NBA, of an NBA championship parade. I'm like, I don't know what that's like because we have parades pretty much every year. So this is like okay. we have a book in City Hall to run, a, to run those parades. I'm not even gonna defend it. I almost died at that parade, so I'm not even. I'm not even gonna defend it. I'm not even gonna back. No, you're right. No, it was a debacle, and I, I wish I'd never gone. <laughs> anyway, we can talk about Boston dominating no, we everything. Can. We can't. Can not? Can we, exactly. can we not? Can we not? Whatever. You guys got Mookie bets. You guys can have them. Anyway, what's our next question, Casey? No one has Mookie bets because there's no sports right now. <laughs> next question. Oh, what do we got? What do we got? Uh, let's go. Let's get a. Uh, here we go. Um, at the side, favorite season of the Ultimate Fighter and why? I think I know Joe's answer. Well, I, he should have two answers. I mean, besides the one he was on. We had the oh. best season. You can't even argue it. You can't That's even great. argue it. BJ Penn, Jens Pulver's coaches, both great coaches. Uh, Nate Diaz, Manny Gimburian, Gray Maynard, Rob Emerson, Cole Miller, me, Matt Wyman. We had an amazing season. You can't, you can't even question. It. I think we had the best season. For sure. Um, you know, aside from our season, um, I really like the first season just because I think that no one had any idea what was going to go on. Like it's, it's there's something special about like guys that were fighting when I first started fighting, even before me, uh, because there was no there was no like long term career there, right? It was just like you're fighting because you wanted to fight. Like there was no like now there's people that are chasing paychecks and they oh they want to fight because they want the money or they want this they want that like but in the beginning it was like guys were fighting just because they wanted to fight right um, same thing with the Ultimate Fighter none of those guys had any idea what was going to come of this you know it could have been it could have been canceled before you know the first episode was there like you never knew so um, you know so I thought the first season was really cool because the UFC didn't know what was going to happen the fighters didn't know what was going to happen the coaches didn't know what was going to happen like oh we're gonna just gonna go and train and we're gonna film everything and we're gonna see how it goes. Um, you know, they made so many mistakes because obviously the first time you do something, you don't know what you're doing. You know, they took yeah. they took the, the um the fighters to like a, it was a Kid Rock concert or something, and <laughs> and someone was having sex in the, the the toilet stall, and someone else was making fun of the person for like and they were pulling out their phone. It just the whole entire thing was ridiculous. Um, and they had no idea they, they were doing that with no expectations of anything coming of it. 
just uh, you know, hope and a prayer. But yeah, know. season one also had the uh, the challenges where yeah. I can't like I rewatched that where they have, where they would have like let's see if you could who like all the fighters team up and carry Randy Couture like on their <laughs> shoulders like it through the water. I can't believe we didn't get a serious injury after that oh, season. No, they were crazy. Uh, they did, the challenge was they crazy. did the scarecrow drill, right? Yeah, they, they, they Diego, totally Diego did. Cl- climbed around someone for like eighty something repetitions or something, right. and then the other team's like, all right, you know what? They they win. We're not gonna kill our guys. It's awesome. So I I don't I don't disagree with you. I do think five is the best in terms of like, yeah. I, I, there's no argument for me that five is the best. I liked fourteen. I think that was Mayhem and Bisbing that had the mm-hmm. the introductions mm-hmm. of the featherweight. So that had like Dotson, Dillashaw, Diego Brandao, Dennis Bermudez. I thought Marcus Brimage. I thought that was a pretty good representative of some elite lower weight class fights. Ten I think is memorable. That was the heavyweight season with Kimbo. Oh. Uh, R.I.P. Kimbo. Th- that was the high. That was like the highest 15. rated season. That was oh, yeah. the highest rated season. I liked fifteen. That was the live season that John Ooh, Anik always was, likes to talk, likes to bring up as his favorite one. That was uh, I think that Cruz Faber were the coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of my guys, yeah, Joe but, Proctor, was on that. Uh, was on that season. Yep. There you go. Yep. No, no, no love. Uh, for, no love for the debut of the strawweights. So much talent came I'm from in, there. Ooh. I think I think anytime you have like the very bottom of the of the divisions or the biggest guys, like your your talent pool is just less, right? Because not as many guys are going to be that low, or not as many guys to be that high. Like I feel mm-hmm. like the middle weight classes are generally the more competitive, and uh, you, you just pull up from a bigger pool of people. Like more people can make fifty five or seventy or eighty five, whereas how many guys are going to you know realistically be at you know heavyweight or you know at a lower weight class? I have a real soft spot for season six, the one right after Joe. Joe I mean, I think I agree. I think Joe's yep. uh, is probably top three. I think uh, season five, I think season 10, as uh, as Jose mentioned, and season one. Uh, I like season six after, but there was uh, uh, Matt Hughes and Matt Sarah, awesome coaches. They had a great, great yep. uh, kind of on-screen chemistry. There were some great personalities, but the talent drop-off from your season to season six, with, again, with respect to all the guys who competed on the Ultimate Fighter 6, probably one of the worst, like, uh, as far as how much, uh, how many UFC fights the guys had after, how much success they had. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Uh, you were, you were, I think after you guys, we kind of started to see the cracks in the format as far as, like, uh, how much talent, how much unsigned talent was left out there. Yep. I think you guys might have been the last, like, holy crap, there's so much, so many good guys out there who need to get in the UFC, and there just wasn't that weight class, right? And then they brought all you in. Uh, so season six, I liked, but it was a bit of a drop-off talent-wise. And Yeah, there were still some really good guys on that season, though. Yeah. Um, but, but for sure. Matt you know, Donzig was great. The, the, the were no, there was no 55 division until shortly before that. So, like, when I hmm. fought at UFC 63, that was in September of 2006. So that was like the the that was like I think me and Jens might have been the first 155 fights coming back for the yes. most part. Right? So before like, the show. Yes. So yeah. there was no there was no lightweight division at all. So they brought in a whole bunch of lightweights that who had been out there beating up everyone around the country, and because there's no division in the UFC, like we all had to you know kind of be the best of the regional shows, and then we all came together. So then second time around, you're talking 170. A lot of the guys that you know were on the season at 70, they could have made 55. So it's just again just a different different. Um, depth of talent for sure i did like the comeback season yep. that matt sarah won that was a big okay, that yeah. one because that to me that i think sarah beating gsp is still the biggest upset i've ever seen in it's mma history considering crazy. matt sarah was going up because people have talked about that he fought at lightweight and then went up to welterweight just to get a second chance and then won and knocked out gsp to me that's still the biggest shock i've ever seen so that was that season four i think that season was four, that yeah. one was big that one was big in my mind uh joe i imagine you got to know everyone in the house pretty well you guys are in there for so long and with yep. really nothing to do like how absurd is it to think that uh nate diaz of all people ever 
ever i mean obviously he wasn't the, the star he is now uh but him i mean really a lot of you guys who are stars now how crazy to think like that but him in particular he's so he's so volatile and so anti it would seem like these kinds of concepts how like at that time when you knew him did, did he seem like the kind of guy who you know was just ready to break out and did not want to be on that kind of show or was he, was he a lot different back then like as far so as you know? I, I love nate from the start you know like nate, nate is like he's he's kind of like me where he doesn't really want to be around a lot of people and he like he hates doing media and stuff like that. He wants he loves the fighting part. He doesn't want to do any other stuff. I don't mind the stuff that surrounds it, but he is very much like against doing all that kind of stuff. So, but from the beginning, like Nate was one of the best guys in the house for sure. You know, he was kind of like he wasn't like an outward like carry the flag kind of leader, but everyone kind of gravitated around him. You know, he was kind of he was the guy that would sit in the back and everyone would kind of gravitate around him. You know, like whereas um, you know Gray Maynard was on my team. And we always used to joke how Gray pissed his excellence. You know, he was the first pick. It was like, Gray was the first pick. We would say that every single day. Um, you know, Gray was kind of like more of like your team captain, like your your guy that was going to lead the charge. Whereas Nate was like, he was the guy that was kind of sitting in the back that everyone wanted to be around. He wasn't trying to be the, the leader, but everyone wanted to be around him. And Nate was like super talented. You know, like his brother was doing great. Nick was doing great. Um, you know, Nate, like the very first day in the Ultimate Fighter, like we did like the tryouts. He like arm locked me like slick as could be like right away. Um, you know, and I was one of the better grapplers in the show and he effortlessly arm locked me like instantly. Um, you know, so like, I'm, I'm not surprised by any of this stuff, you know, like, and he's so big about like the running and conditioning and triathlons and Ironmans and all that kind of stuff. Even back then he was in all that stuff. So, um, it was never like hard work wasn't, you know, didn't bother him getting in a fight, didn't bother him. Training didn't bother him. Um, he just like, he just doesn't like doing media stuff. He doesn't like doing yeah. interviews. He likes doing his own thing and, you know, he doesn't want to. He doesn't understand the importance of you know of everything. I'm sure he understands it more now, but mm-hmm. back then he just didn't. He didn't want to deal with any of that stuff. He wanted to show up and punch someone in the face and, and let that be it. Uh, Joe, given that you two were two of kind of the, I, I think one of the two of the more hyped guys going into that season, did you feel like you guys? I mean, it, it never happened unfortunately, but did you feel like you two guys were destined to fight on the show or at least in the UFC later? Like, is that a matchup that you kind of always saw happening? It was going to happen. Um, I thought it might happen. You know, I, I, I could have seen it like, honestly, so Manny Gamberian is the one that beat me in the, in the semifinals. Right. So I made it to final four mm-hmm. Manny beat me by decision. Um, you know, and then Manny was, he was, I think he was beating Nate until his shoulder popped out. Right. So I, you mm-hmm. could argue that Manny was like the, the best in the house. Right. You could argue that. Um, but Nate, Manny was a sleeper. Like I didn't, I didn't know who Manny was. I had no idea. I knew, I, you know, I knew he was Cairo's cousin and I, I knew he must've been a badass once I knew that, but I didn't. I didn't know who Manny was prior to the show. Like I knew who Wyman was. I knew who Cole Miller was. I knew who Nate was, um, and that was pretty much it. So, um, yeah, I, I thought we would probably. I would probably have to run up against Nate. You know, when we were, um, you know, so like back then, like we would basically, you know, they would have a, a fight pick, and then you know, if our team had the pick or they had the pick or whatever, and I could just tell everyone was. We were talking picks, and like everyone was scared to fight Nate. No one wanted to fight <laughs> Nate. I'm like, I'll fight Nate. Like I'm, I'm okay. Like I don't, I'm, I'm, I, he might beat me, but I don't, I don't mind. I'll try and fight him. Like, I think it'll be good. Um, you know, I think that, you know, skill wise, you know, um, I think it would have been competitive, but I wasn't, I definitely wasn't scared though. Even when I got beat up. I wasn't scared to fight him. Like, you know, I was, I was all like, let me fight Nate right away. Don't let him knock off three of our guys. Let me fight Nate right away. Um, but you know, it, it didn't happen. You know, it, it won't happen at this point, I'm sure. But, uh, but Nate was one of those guys that I like Nate a lot in the house. Like I liked all the, I like pretty much all the guys in the house. Um, whether my team or the other team or whatever. Um, so it just, I, I'm, I'm able to separate things though. I think some people can't separate things. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I have no problem. You know, like I can be best friends with someone and then fight them. No problem. And try to break their arm and everything else. It wouldn't bother me. Do you think <laughs> the ultimate fighter still has 
I don't want I don't know how to phrase this, but like we don't we haven't had a season in a long time ever since kind of the introduction of the contender series. Uh, do you think it still has a home in the UFC or do you think the kind of the contender series has taken away a lot of the luster of what the ultimate fighter could have been? So the ultimate fighter is the trash TV version of the contender series. <laughs> right? It's like I like I like to watch it, you know, like it's 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 a fun show to watch. Um, you know, but it's like it's all the drama in the house and like what's gonna go on and you know, whatever else. I think the Dana White Contender series is, is so much better because it's more about like less of a reality TV, you know, kind of trash show and more of a like a, a sporting event show. Like it's just okay, like go and do your thing, you know, train train at home, train with you know the best of your ability and then come here, which is like it's almost like a minor league to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's better. I mean, why, why go and put guys in like a completely foreign, you know, atmosphere and environment and put them on the show, which is like, it's good for TV. It's good for, for trash TV, but it's not the best training environment. Um, I was really fortunate because I had great coaches. Like I had BJ Penn as my coach and, and Rudy Valentino and Reagan and Tony D'Souza. And, and I had really, really good coaches. And I was lucky because not for whatever reason, no one else on my team wanted to work with them. Like everyone just thought like they were going to do their own thing. Like Wyman wanted to go and hit the bag and Gray wanted to go and hit the bag and run. And Emerson wanted to hit the bag and like no one wanted to actually train with the coaches. So I I was spoiled. So every single day I would show up like, what do you guys want me to do today? And I would get like an hour and a half private with Tony in the morning. And then I work with Reagan for an hour and a half at nighttime. And then the next day I work with Rudy for an hour and a half. And the next day I work with BJ for an hour and a half. Like it just, it was awesome. Uh, and I, and I was super lucky to get exposed to, to those guys. Um, and you know, have that experience. But, um, but I think now, like, there's a lot more, you know, trainers that are around and available. And, you know, there's all these super camps people go to and everything else. Like, I think that um, I think it's better doing it the Dana White Contender Series way, I think, overall. That's a lesson, by the way, for all the kids out there. Use your resources and and, and coaches and things like that, because uh, Joe has fought in the UFC 27 times. So uh, he's so clearly I would say a lot longer than some of the guys I think you mentioned who, who uh, you know, had good UFC careers, but certainly not the longevity of you. So kids, listen to that. All right. Let's listen to your teachers, coaches, be a keener, be a, ke- be a keener like Joe. What's our next question, Casey? Thank you for the question, Seaside. <clears throat> From Corey. McGee, McGeegan, and apologize if I mispronounced that wrong. Hashtag the A side. If Gaethje fights Ferguson, which shouldn't even be happening and wins, how much of a shame would that fight that be for a fighter of Tony's level to never fight for a full world title? So, Joe, this is in your weight class, lightweight. I'm sure you've heard a few times the Habib versus Tony Ferguson fight has fallen off once or twice. Uh, supposedly it's off again. Now the rumors are Tony Ferguson might fight Justin Gaethje as a replacement. So, uh, to put that into perspective, Tony Ferguson hasn't lost since before women could fight in the UFC. Uh, his last fight, his last loss was pre Ronda Rousey, and now he might have to go through Justin Gaethje to fight Habib Nurmagomedov down the road. So, what do you make of this whole situation uh, in your weight class, and how much of a sh- in this commenter's words would it, would it be a shame if Tony Ferguson lost and we never got Tony Ferguson and Habib? For sure, you know, I think that you know the the whole rankings thing is like. It's good and it's bad, right? So it's good because it lets the casual fan kind of understand like who someone is. If they don't know, if they don't follow, and they don't know who Gaethje is or who who Tony is or whatever, like you can put a number, like oh number two versus number four or whatever it is. Like it just kind of puts a little perspective on it. Um, But it's a nightmare for everything else, right? It's a nightmare for everything else. Like how many people are like they're chasing to be the champ, right? They 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 want to fight for the title, they want to fight for this. Like you know, I, I would personally rather see the UFC just get rid of all the belts altogether. 
and just pay fighters, you know, for, for their fights. Like, okay, you have this great fight. You know, like, if you keep winning fights and you keep doing well and people keep tuning in, you get paid more and more and more and more and more. Like, why do we have to have a champ? You know, like, I think it's because I know what it is. It's because a casual fan doesn't understand what's going on. So, they, you know, making someone a champ lets them know, okay, this person's really good. But, um, but it's so hard. Like, you know, it's just, it's really, really hard, you know, and, and the rankings just make it a mess for everything else because the number two guy doesn't want to fight the number five guy. Five always wants to fight two, but two never wants to fight five. It's just, it creates a lot of headache um, from, you know, from from managers and fighters and, and matchmakers and everything else because you can't always have two guys that are fighting someone that's better than them that someone's higher ranked. Like, it just doesn't, mathematically, it doesn't work. If you're number two, you got to fight number one of the champ. If you fight anyone else, you're 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 moving backwards, you're slipping backwards, you're fighting ranked lower than you. It's it's a complaint. So yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a shame for Tony. Like he should definitely be fighting for a world title. Um, you know, like I'm I'm a like I said, I, I I dislike the whole idea of having champs in general. Like I understand why it's necessary, but I'd rather just see okay, like Tony's gonna fight for this and he's gonna get paid well and he's gonna do this and blah 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 and just let it go. Same thing with like when Connor comes around or whatever else. Like and there's all kinds of crazy rumors. I heard and I'm sure it's not true, but I heard something about like Connor was fighting some someone Reddit. Connor might be stepping in to fight something or it's just it's all crazy. Who knows? Who knows? I d I don't think the fight's gonna happen. Honestly, I don't think two forty nine will happen. I know the UFC is trying to do everything they can to try to make it happen. Um I just think with all this coronavirus stuff and all these shutdowns and everything else, like they must I'm sure they have some kind of place that is um some kind of tribal land or something that's someone that's willing to do the fights. But uh, I don't know. It all just seems, it seems so crazy to me. Um, you know, so Peter Barrett is one of my guys. He trains me. He's supposed to fight like, it's like a two weeks after 249. Um, or yeah, I think it's two weeks after. Um, and like, so like, but they're talking about like, trying to like rebook flights and things like that. And like, they don't even know where it's going to be yet. Or they haven't even told us where it's going to be yet. It's like, but like now what do we do? What do we do here? Like, am I, am I supposed to go and fly somewhere? My wife's a nurse. I get two kids at home. She's just like, it's like it's a it's a big mess, you know. I, so I I don't think anything will happen. I think that they're they're holding out to the last minute because they want to exhaust every opportunity and option. But I I don't think it's going to happen. But we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens. I am so glad, Joe, that you said belts don't matter. Uh, this is look, I, I I this is with respect to everyone who's won championships. Of course, it's an awesome sure. achievement. Sure. It, it certainly it certainly represents something. You know, you've reached a certain level. So I'm yep. not. You know, I I know you're not, and I'm not like crapping on anyone who no, wins no, titles. No, no, no. Yeah, of course not. But they are props. You know, and props can be useful. But they are. You're right. They are props. They they shouldn't be the be all end all of uh. You know, oh, it, did this fighter achieve something? Because you know, we're talking about Tony Ferguson. There's going to be, you know, when people look at the history books, like you said, the casual fan is going to say, oh, Conor McGregor had a better lightweight career than Tony Ferguson because he won the title, which is insane, which is objectively insane. Um, and, and that's what people are going to say, just because you're right, because of the weight that the company has put on titles and, and how you know fans might perceive them. But uh, I, I don't know if I'm for the abolition of titles in general, uh, but I do agree that they need to. I wish they could kind of represent them in a certain way and, and uh, not make them look a certain way. Like, Joe, when you were like you said, you've been around since way before rankings. Did you ever you know, when you were in the UFC, did you I'm, I'm sorry, you're in the UFC. But during that, uh, you know, your earlier days, did you ever think about like, where am I in the rankings and where is this fight going to put me? Did that matter to you when you were it, like taking fights? It never mattered to me at all. Before I fought Pettis. Kick me in the face, and then derailed that real quick. But I think I was ranked like number four or something like that. I think that was the highest I ever got. And he fought and he won the title in his next fight. Um, so I mean, I, I got kind of close, but I never really cared about it. I never thought about it to that point. It's just like it's so subjective, you know. Like how how much would it suck if you're Tony Ferguson and your entire 
self-worth is dependent on like winning that world title and you've done everything you possibly could. And it's just, it's taken from you. It's taken from you. It's just not, it doesn't happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And like one time was his fault, right? You could say because he tripped or whatever on the wire. You could argue the wire shouldn't have been there. Sure. Right? But that was, that was his fault. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had to pull out that time. It wasn't an opponent, you know, like it's, um, but then could be pulled out because, you know, kidney stones or something like that. It's just like, it's, it sucks if you try to set yourself up as like, Oh, I'm a win. I'm a, I'm a successor. I'm a failure based on this one thing that's not in your control. It's just not. It's not in his control. He's done everything he could. He's won all. He's won all these fights. He's beat all these guys. How could he not have fought for a title by now? But he hasn't. So it's just, um, it's unfortunate, you know. But and again, I, I agree. With you. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to take away from titles or anything else. Mm-hmm. I would. I would personally like to see almost like a, um, almost like a seasonal championship or something sure. like that. Okay, you know what I mean? Like who who won the you know who won the the, the summer 2020 title? Who won the December yeah. 2020 title? You know something more like that. Same as like anything else, like you know, football or whatever else. Like you have like you have like a season. You have a season. And you have a champ. You have a season and a champ. You know, like it's um, maybe do it at the end of the year. Maybe do it December. Okay, maybe just do like one title fight a year for each division. So I, I don't I don't know how you do it, but um, but something along those lines would be better because that way, like when Khabib, when he's he's the champ, but he but he's if he's not gonna fight, you know, next week, then like someone else can get that title. Like I understand, you know, not to take away from Khabib, you don't want to take away, but like. At the same time, anytime that someone is a champ and they can't fight, they're they're denying someone else the opportunity to to contend for that title. You know, mm-hmm. if the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year, and you know they can't, you know they gotta, they can't, you know they don't make it this year. You can't say, oh well, you know that's not gonna happen this year because, you know, like well they can't be here, so no one can win the the, the, the cup. Whatever. So it sounds like you like the PFL format. Um, a a, a little bit. I mean, I, I don't like I don't like how they structure and they organize the um like the contracts i think it's like hmm. it should be a little bit more set on what you're going to get paid should should step up a little bit more considerably um like i, I think those guys are kind of screwed right now right because like they're i think they canceled that entire season now right so those guys are all locked in for a season yeah it's, it's all been postponed and then now they um i think that there's something in the contract that says that, like they you know you're you're locked at this price for this season but like next season could be different so if this is postponed or whatever like what's that going to mean for the contracts like i don't like that aspect of it um and, and i and i don't like the the timing of it all right so like you're 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 struck to, you're stuck to like a rigid structure on when you're gonna fight whereas the ufc is more so like if you can't fight in this fight you just be putting the next card or whatever Uh, someone says, ask yeah. Joe if you. Oh, a quick question uh, from Casey. Uh, ask oh, I can Joe. Ask, right. I'm right here. But, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I was actually interested, Joe. You talked about 249. Um, I mean, outside of the just insane travel restrictions that are going on right now and are probably going to be increased as the weeks go on, would you yourself take a fight right now? Or, like, if the UFC goes, hey, can you fight on 250 or 249? With all the training limitations and travel limitations and just the health crisis going on in the world, would you would you take a fight if offered right now? Um, no, I don't think I would take a fight that fast. I mean, like it's it's kind of because it, it, it's kind of irresponsible, right? It's kind of irresponsible because so my wife my wife's a nurse, so she's 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 seeing like the 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 bad stuff that's happening, right? She's seeing all the stuff that's going on. Um, you know, like we're if we go to like we go to like my gym, we come out, we're like you're purelling everything, and you know don't, she doesn't want me going anywhere. Right? And, and that's fine. That's why I've been I've been home. I haven't been going anywhere. 
um, it's kind of irresponsible if I want to go and, um, you know, try and fight somewhere and like, you know, ask all my coaches, okay, can you all go and can you come with me? Can you get all exposed to everything? And then can you bring it all back to all your families and, and all the people that you're going to come in contact with? Like the people I would see, even, even as the introvert I am, uh, just with the UFC staff, is like, you're going to see a ton of people, you know, like, and then, you know, I, I think it's a little bit irresponsible. You know, if, if I were going to do something, you know, I, I'm a, I'm in a little bit different case because I could maybe like, okay, I'd be like, okay, well I would get like my brother or someone to come and stay with my wife and help with the kids. And I would basically go and I have to like find like a hotel or something for like two weeks or something and just stay away from everyone. So I don't, you know, bring whatever I encounter back. It's just the whole entire thing is really, is kind of, you know, unfortunate. It's a really bad timing. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it, the, the whole situation sucks and it sucks for the fighters it sucks for everyone, you know, cause I know that all the fighters, they're not getting the best possible training, you know, um, you know, Calvin Cater is supposed to fight Jeremy Stevens at 249, right? So Calvin's one of my guys. He, he trains with us. Um, you know, Calvin's doing everything he can. I'm sure Jeremy Stevens is doing everything he can, but I can guarantee you, you're not going to see the best Calvin Cater against the best Jeremy Stevens. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not gonna, it's not going to be the case. You know, like are they are both going to be ready to fight hundred percent. You give them either one of those guys, 10 minutes notice with no camp, they would be ready to fight for sure. Um, but you know, and, and they would put on a great fight, but it's still not the same. It's not the same as having like a full camp. So like I, I, I would, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of good and it's bad for the UFC because right now there's no competition, right? So there's like anyone that's going to, that's going to tune in, like anyone that's bo- sitting on board, if, if there's a UFC on, there's a live fight, they're going to, they're going to watch that. They're going to find it. And they're not going to all go to their friend's house and watch the fight. They're going to sit at home and they're going to watch it. So your buy rates are going to be, you know, even higher because of that. Um, it's, it's kind of like a golden opportunity for the UFC to kind of go in there and take advantage and, and, you know, make the best of the situation. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard call. It's a really nasty situation. I mean, you, you said your wife is a nurse. Um, a big concern of mine I've been kind of talking about is if they have it in the United States, I mean, these are fist fights and eventually someone will get hurt and will need medical attention. Do you think it's like, like you said, it's kind of selfish to put medical resources into, you know, um, voluntary, um, price fighting right now? Um, I mean, to some extent, I mean, like it's a little different, right? Because I think the big, the big shortages is not necessarily like it's, of course it's going to be beds and things like that. But if someone's going to the hospital, they're going for stitches or something more than likely, right? It's generally not that big of a deal. Um, you don't need, you know, the, the personal protective equipment is like a big, big deal. Um, that's like, I think it's something that no one's really paying attention to. Like that's a much, much bigger deal than people realize. Um, you know, so like, you know, me going in with first stitches is not going to affect that. It's not going to affect, like, I'm not going to need a ventilator. You know, like there's, there's, there's very like real concerns, uh, for all the hospitals and, and all the healthcare stuff that is like, I understand that. Yeah. It's taking some resources away, but it's not taking a ton of resources away. It's not taking like those critical, you know, but at the same time, if the, if the system is stressed as is like, why add any undue stress? But the whole thing just sucks. Agreed. <laughs> it's a very bad situation everywhere. That's to put yeah. it to put it bluntly, it sucks a lot. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the question, Corey. Uh, actually, the question. Do do here. We go. I think that's like seven weeks in a row we've had a Habib Tony question. So I don't think it's anything. Hey, you go another one. <laughs> gonna keep from, coming. Gonna yeah. <laughs> from Alerve eight eighty one on Twitter. I believe that a combo of Connor versus Justin and Tony v Habib does more than Connor v Habib. Do you agree? You also then have a potential third fight money of any cannotation of winners and losers if you go with the first two fights. So I think he's saying like a combination of Connor versus Justin Gaethje and Tony versus Habib. Is it on like the same card or like 
kind of a mini tournament style. I, I don't really know. So I, I, think I think he's saying, saying like same card. Yeah, I think he's saying same card. So like, you know, Connor and Justin is the co-main and then Tony and Khabib is the main event. Yeah, I, I definitely think that does better than Connor and Khabib, right? You know, we've already seen Connor and Khabib. You know, like, you know, there's, I would love to see it again, but we've already seen it once. You know, like I would, I would be super excited to see Connor versus Justin Gaethje. And then of course we all, of course we all want to see Tony and Khabib. So yeah, I, I think it would definitely do better. And, and of course there's, there's potential of a third fight. You know, based on you know the winners, you know, like almost like a mini tournament, you know, main event, co-main event, and then the winners fight each other next card. I think that would be awesome. I would I would tune in for that for sure. Everyone would tune in for that. I think um, it would make. See, it makes the most sense. I don't know if Dana White wants to put Con- Conor McGregor in a co-main event th- three-round fight. That's the only. That's going to be the only hiccup. You, you, oh, I assume they meant he was the main event. I assume they meant the key. They would. They would break the rules. Put and Conor over the title. I'm not even. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I honestly think they that's can do. What they, would they can do anything they want. If they want. If they want to have a five round fight as a co-main event, they can do that. They can do anything <laughs> yep. they want. Like you know, like it's it's the the commissions have like rough rule sets, but if the UFC wants to do anything, they're gonna let them do whatever they want. They're gonna change the rounds, do this, do that. Like they can do whatever they want for the most part. Uh, I just want to say I think that question was phrased in such a confusing way because <laughs> they knew Joe would be on the show, and Joe is smart. And we are not. I think if I think if we had had another, like if there was no, if it was just me and Jose, they would have made it more clear, like be, or yeah. just not asked at all because we wouldn't have been able to figure it out. Sure. So thankfully, Joe is here. And I'll just say on that that I don't think uh, Connor should ever be put unless you're doing one of those New York super cards, like three title fight cards or whatever. But even that, I always think that's a waste. I always feel like if you're gonna have Connor headline a show, that's the time to put lesser draws uh, on the undercard because it's gonna draw, it's gonna do big money no matter what. So Joe's right though. For the fans, of course, it'd be awesome to have those two fights in the same card. But I do wonder sometimes for the UFC if it's better to to space these things apart. Even though it's it's a nice to have that feather in their cap to say like, oh, we did three mega fights on one card. But business wise, that never made sense to me. It's good at variety. It's good to good to switch it up and not do the same thing mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Thank you for the question, Elerv Eight. Thank you for that, Matt. That word problem. <laughs> oh, all right. from, oh, sorry, I already asked question. that one. From Trombo, Dillashaw, do you think TJ should, as he says, get an immediate title shot after coming off a two-year suspension for doping? So, yes, I don't know if either of you heard, but TJ Dillashaw recently came out and said the UFC is targeting an immediate title fight for him when it, his suspension is up. So I'll start with the fighter on the show. Uh, what You've already made your feelings known on it, how you feel about the actual championships, but we do live in a world where championships are uh, important in the eyes of fans and the UFC and a lot of fighters. So do you think TJ should get an immediate title shot after his two-year suspension? Hell no. I think anyone that's caught doping, honestly, I think that with a combat sport thing, like it should it should kind of depend a little bit on what you get caught with, right? So if you get caught with something that's, like a, um, that's not as big of a deal, then maybe, okay, it's not as big of a penalty. But if you're getting caught, what do you get caught with? EPO. EPO, right? That's a pretty big deal. That's a big deal. That's like hardcore. That's not like a tainted supplement. That's like a big deal. I, I, I think it should be like a lifetime ban or something like that or some kind of, you know, like that's how I feel about things. Like I don't buy the whole like, oh, he didn't know. Or like, there's this contamination things that can happen. Like uh, I was getting caught with Austrine. Uh, like I know like so Tom Lawler is one of my good friends and he's like, he's like the most anti-supplement guy ever. He lived with me for a long time. He's like, he doesn't take, eat supplements, but Tom will also go dumpster dive and eat cookies out of a, out of a dumpster. No problem. Like, you give him anything. He, he'd be like, Oh, Hey, take this. He'll take a bite of it. You know what I mean? So like I could see him hundred percent. Like someone's like, Oh, try this new flavor drink. I had him taking a swig and not thinking about it at all. And that's probably what happened with Tom. Right. And he got hit with like a two year ban and then the UFC kept him on the contract. And then they, then they cut him as soon as it was over. Like, so like, you know, in that situation, like that, I think Tom got kind of screwed a little bit. Right. It's just like, it was unfortunate set of circumstances with, with USADA and things like that. Um, but if you're doing EPO, like you know exactly what you're doing. You're cheating. You're straight up cheating. You're punching someone harder. You're in better shape. 
you know, sort of stuff. I do not. I, I would. I would rather see like a, like maybe not say a lifetime ban on everyone right off the bat, but like anyone that's caught multiple times, like see you later. You're you're out of here. Joe, that's like Joe, a big deal. Joe, can not you explain like, for our fans what EPO is? Because I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between what say, uh, a tainted so, supplement versus EPO. So EPO is basically uh, it, it's it, it basically it makes your blood thicker. Right. And you basically get like superhuman cardio. Like you just go forever. That's what Lance Armstrong was doing EPO. So basically like they, I think they take your blood that they treat it and they put it back in. I think, um, it's, I, I don't follow super close, but it's like, it's not like, a, Oh, I, I took a shake and like there was a little bit extra in it or something that wasn't supposed to be there. It's like, you know, exactly what you're doing. That's not like an accident. Um, you know, accidental stuff I can see, like it, it could happen. You know, like I could, I, I remember I used to go to like, I'd go to like Jamba juice or whatever. And I get like a, a, a milkshake or a, a smoothie or something like, Oh, you want protein? I'm like, yeah, sure. They put in the protein, right. That could test positive for something. There could be something that protein that they're just buying whatever. And it's just like some like generic, like BS brand. And I could, I could get flagged by USADA for that. And you know, so obviously you gotta be a little bit smarter and like things like that can happen. I understand. I should have been, you know, you should be paying closer attention to what's going on, but something like that could happen. And you could say that's like, that was like a harmless or a stupid mistake or whatever. It's different when they're taking your blood, spinning it up, adding shit to it, and putting it back in. And there's just, it's a whole different, a whole different level. Uh, I just want to say first that uh, I said earlier, make sure to listen to Joe's advice. Do not listen to Tom Lawler's lifestyle, apparently, no. of eating cookies out of no. – don't do anything. Tom, Tom Lawler, a very entertaining guy, great fighter, uh, great pro wrestler. Uh, do not take any of his advice, uh, life advice. Uh, so, that's, so Tom, Tom, that's strictly for <laughs> So Tom lived with me for a while, a couple of years. And we used to go up lifting together, right? So we went up, like, went up lifting. We're coming back, and we'd stop at like McDonald's on the way back at like a uh, ham, egg, and cheese or something like that, right, from McDonald's. And – so we're driving, uh, we're driving his car and his car was like, he had just, it was like when he had first moved, uh, moved up here. So he drove from Florida with his girlfriend and their cat. So like the car is like disgusting, right? Filthy Tom Lawler, right? It's, it follows him. So where we, we go to McDonald's and Tom, he doesn't want to combine. He doesn't want to eat two full McMuffins. He wants to take the top off of one and the bottom off the other and combine them into like a super McMuffin. Right. Well, like he's driving though. So he does the, the most Tom Lawler thing ever. He drops it on the floor. I'm like, Oh, that's a waste. Like that's that egg's gone. He's like bullshit. That's gone. It's like cat hair and sand, and like dude puts it on together and eats the entire thing. Like Tom, Tom. There's so many nasty stories about Tom eating stuff. <laughs> Just getting started. He earned uh, his, he earned his nickname. Dude, filthy, <laughs> filthy. Live the gimmick. Live the yeah. gimmick. Live the gimmick. He says. So are, are you are you are you a fan of um, filthy Tom Lawler's pro wrestling side? Yeah, so like so Tom Tom is uh like I said he he lived with me for a long time I've known Tom forever uh yeah he's 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 got a way better personality for for pro wrestling like you know all the entrances he's done for the UFC and everything else you know like he was he should have been a pro wrestler from the start. Thank you for the question, Trumbo. I know we're running up on time, but I'm sure we have more questions, right, Casey? Yeah, yeah we, we do. Have a more. All right. Oops, sorry, I asked that one. That was one that made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I understood. I understood that one. <laughs> From Suzanne Fights. Suzanne Fights, another longtime commenter. Is it possible Habib had to leave U.S. because his visa was expiring? Lots of countries have 90-day limits for visas, and I think he was training in AKA since the start of the year. So with that top 90 days end of March, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what Habib's visa situation is outside. Uh, I, I doubt anyone knows outside of his inner circle. I doubt it. I doubt that. I doubt that was the case. You know, he's, he's got a big fight coming up. Like that doesn't come up by, by surprise. Like that's like, this is, I think it was more of like a coronavirus thing that, you know, they got out like, mm. 
they, they put California on lockdown. Everyone had to, you know, basically couldn't leave your house, um, couldn't go to the gym, couldn't do this stuff. I'm, I'm sure it was more that than uh, a visa issue. I'm sure. Oh, Joe and Jose, so naive. Have you not been hearing what our fans and what the <laughs> beloved troll, the beloved trolls? Of, I think, as we know now, I specialize in speaking troll. I did it last week with uh, I translated some troll comments for Lima last week, and uh, I, I'm happy to be the troll. Uh, Khabib was scared, as we all know. An undefeated, <laughs> an undefeated UFC fighter was too scared to fight Tony Ferguson because you know Tony Ferguson's El Kukui, very scary. I wouldn't want to fight a guy named El Kukui. So uh, this visa, whatever, if it is a visa thing, no, that's all BS or, or whatever he said to the UFC that they said he no, that's all a lie. He didn't want to fight Tony. Come on, guys, we all we all know this. What I, I thought this was understood. And, and I was yeah, sure. in the underground since I was in high school. <laughs> I used to go in the underground all the time. Wow. I set up my own form so I could post as any person I wanted. I was the first troll. Not the first troll but I was one of the original trolls. Uh, did you have, I don't did get, you have like, troll accounts? Of course. No, I, I had better. I, I, I basically I made a form. I, I legit did this. I made a form because I'm a computer science dork, right? Mm-hmm. So I made a form where if I plugged in like the thread ID and then I could drop in anyone's user ID and I could post as them. So I would get two different people that weren't even me, and I would get them arguing with each other, and then they would pick up the conversation because they would think they couldn't forget they they forgot about the comment or whatever, and they would start fighting. Like it was awesome. I could I could post moderators. I could do it. You're yeah. a madman. This is you are a madman. Yeah. He he helped build the current culture of uh, uh, online MMA fans that we see today. This is the guy. It used to be. It used to be submissionfighting.com, and it was the underground. It was, there was wow. so many names, but yeah, I, I had it all down. Yeah, you Piece were one of the first fighters I noticed to be active on RMMA too. So he's ahead of that game too. I love Reddit. Yep, I love Reddit. <laughs> wow! Wow! Now we see the real man. So the, this the, this whole internet boom is nothing is not a surprise for Joe Lozon. No, oh, he's not. on top of it. And I don't and I don't get trolled by people. Like I understand if people are like they're trying to troll me, I just block them. I just move on. Like I don't I don't buy the. Um, no, nah, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's a lot of crap going on. Doesn't matter. Do you block fellow fighters? Uh, no, I mean no one's like I, I don't really I don't really have a reason to block anyone. Like I've had like I think there's been times in the past where like certain fighters were like you know harassing me nonstop about trying to fight. Like I think like like so Gilbert Burns is pretty vocal about stuff. So mm-hmm. he's, he wants to fight anybody at any time. So like there was a while where he was like calling me out nonstop. So I think I, I blocked and muted him or something uh, for a little bit. But like no, I don't, I don't care. It's it's just like. We get so many mentions and, and things like that, like all the time, and notifications that, like, you know, when someone's just being like super annoying, it's easier to just block them. Don't even respond to them. It, it takes two seconds to block them and just at least eliminate that annoying notification. Uh, but there's really no reason to block anyone for the most part, unless they're just going out of their way to be annoying, and then you block them and move on. There you go. That's it. Any more questions, Casey? Yeah, one last question before we go to our promos. Hold on one moment. Do, do, Thank do, you, Suzanne. She was wondering why, like, all of a sudden we're on three days a week. She's like, is it always the same time and everything? So thanks for – from Mark Kasbrack. Oh. WrestleMania thoughts? Joe, did you watch WrestleMania this weekend? I didn't. We're going to have to do another question. We, we can't, this can't be the last one. we get another question. Oh. Yeah, Any more questions, Casey? Oh, no, let, me, let, me look at, let me look at the um, YouTube comments. Uh, hold on. So I, I don't – I used to watch uh, like WWE and all that stuff like back. Like when I first started training, that's how I got into it because me and all my friends get together. We watch like WrestleMania and all sort of stuff, and then we'd end up on my trampoline in the backyard trying to murder each other and choke slam and power bomb and everything else. Um, but I haven't I haven't watched it in like forever, probably since I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. It's been a long time. Joe, what do you think about 
what do you think about the fact that they're even like still holding events? So I don't know if you know, but uh, they sort of they sort of filmed uh, WrestleMania this this year actually ahead of time. Uh, WWE has their own; they have their own performance center in Orlando where they can kind of okay. do all this stuff. So I mean, what do you think of that? Because it's still. Uh, yes, obviously, you know, they kind of had a small crew. They made the crew as small as possible. There's no audience. Uh, you know, uh, we've been very, I know a lot of us in the media have been very critical of the UFC kind of still wanting to push forward with events. What do you think, like hearing about, again, like WWE holding events, some MMA promotions still overseas holding events, uh, Chael Sonnen just did some Mission Underground and like a missile silo or something. <laughs> what do you think about everyone kind of push, trying to push forward still, um, despite all this stuff? Um, I think it's, I think overall it's kind of irresponsible. But I understand at the same time, you know, if you're if you're the WWE and you can get 20 people together and you can have like or 30 people or 40 people together and you can have like this big like cornerstone event, mm -hmm. then I think as, a, as an organization, you know, maybe there's there's too much money involved there to, to not do that. Right. It's like if it's your biggest thing, it's tradition, all this sort of stuff like maybe it's worth doing it in that situation. Right. Uh, but doing everything scaled down and, and, and limiting as much as possible and all this sort of stuff. Um, when the UFC was talking about, you know, trying to make Tony <laughs> Khabib. Like, oh, it's Tony Khabib. They've done it five, you know, they tried to make this four or five times before. Like, of course they got to try and press on. You know, once that fight was off the table, I thought they were going to scrap the whole entire thing. Like, it's mm. okay. Like, I even heard they were going to do just that one fight. Right. And, th and that makes, I would, be, I would be in favor of that. Like, okay, do just the two of them. <laughs> There'd be 10 or 15 people there, you know, corners and a couple officials and judges, whatever. Like, um, once that fight wasn't going to happen, then like, okay, maybe you, maybe you step it back a little, maybe, maybe you delay it and put it off. Um, so like, I, I, I understand the business side of it, but it's just, it's the same in WrestleMania. You, you can't tell me they didn't do great numbers. Was it uh, Saturday night, Sunday night, whatever it was? It was, it was, it was a two, two nights. Night, so two night normally event. it was two supposed to be it was supposed to be in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium in front of like 70,000 people. Uh, it was going to be a one-night, like seven-hour show. But then they split it up between two and two, and they basically pre-taped everything. They even pre-taped multiple finishes to stop spoilers from people coming in. They even have, I don't know if you That's saw cool. this, but they had they had two matches that were filmed off-site as movies. They had like full yeah. scores <laughs> and everything, like multiple That's camera shots. Awesome. So <laughs> it's by, it's easily, it might not, it, I think it's going to do great numbers because like you said, no one has anything to do. It was the only thing yep. on. It was two days and it is by far going to be one of the most memorable when, WrestleMania. When did they film it? How long ago did they film it? Like two oh. weeks ago. Like two, right, two three yeah, weeks so ago. it wasn't things weren't that bad two weeks ago. It was starting to like that's the big thing too, is like it's like the time of everything, right? So like two forty nine is gonna be like they're saying that's gonna at least around New England, that's gonna be like the peak. Like that's when we're gonna be dealing with the worst, you know, for New York, Massachusetts, mm. all this other stuff. Like that's when the peak is gonna be. Like obviously like our peak is different than the peak of everywhere else. But um, you know, it just it's just it just seems like it's it's not a very good time. Like if they did a show two weeks ago, three weeks ago, sure, go for it. Like I thought it was fine they did the Brazil card. You know, like it was kind of like it was before it was down there. It was mm -hmm, crazy mm -hmm. yet. Um, but now it's it's getting a little crazy. So I, I think it's, you know, um, you know, but I don't know. I'm just a fighter. <laughs> well, we've been I, right, I've been okay. notified where I've been notified we're out of questions. So, no, Joe, no, we, got, we got we got one more. Got very one more? important one. one oh, more. do we? Very important one. Here we go. Here we go. Of Our, course. Of course. Know anything about it. Yeah. Right favorite there, quarantine ah. snack from Amy Wee. So, yes, we've asked a lot of fighters this. What's your favorite snack during quarantine time? Favorite quarantine snack. I've been crushing Oreos. Double snacks. Like, I don't, I don't eat a lot of snacks when it's not – like, I don't I don't buy snacks for me. It's my kids. Like, mm -hmm. my son Joe would be like, Dada, I got you an Oreo because I love <laughs> you. I'm like, okay. So I'll, he'll give me two or three Oreos, and then he'll come back. I was like, I got you another Oreo. I got you another Oreo before you know it. I've had 12 Oreos and like, I'm not hating on it. I'm not going to correct them and tell them to stop doing it. But it's, I don't have to go get them. I just, I sit here 
and he'll bring me Oreos. What's your technique, Joe? You, are you, you dipping milk? Do you just go straight? Do you uh, try, break it apart? Very good I mean, that's the real. D- that's depends the real how question. involved you want to get. So usually it's just the whole Oreo right in the mouth. Do it nice and easy. If 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 I'm if I want to get a little more elaborate, I'm gonna set things out. I'm gonna make a special night. I'm, I'm dunking the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Get a dunk. But I'm not. I'm not a twister. I think you just you go you go right. as it is. Don't mess around. So you're saying if you come back, you'll be heavyweight Joe Lozon? <laughs> I eat like a fat kid all the time. Like I can't. I can't gain weight. I cannot gain weight. Like I'm like 100. I'm probably like 171 pounds or something like that. Like I'm. The heaviest I've been in my life is I got up to 178, and that was because I was like lifting like a maniac, and I was eating on top of it, like eating pasta nonstop. But uh, I can't get. Like I have to really, really struggle to to eat that. You know, to gain that much weight or, or you know whatever. So. I can't. I'll be 172 pounds when quarantine gets over, and I'll be 172 pounds when it started. It doesn't doesn't change. <laughs> Living the dream. Well, that's our last question, right, Casey? Uh, yes, sir. Well, as always, the guest of honor gets to cut a promo whenever they want. Joe, you can plug, you can talk, you can say whatever. It doesn't even have to be MMA related. You can basically the floor is yours for the next few minutes if you want it. All right. Uh, thank you for checking this out. Appreciate you guys coming in. Make sure you keep chunk of the A sides. Go on what Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right now. Monday, Wednesday, Friday during quarantine Monday, Wednesday, times. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, quarantine days. Uh, yeah, no, if you're local, you know, come come check out my gym. We've lost a ton of people during the quarantine. Uh, so we, we can have lots of mat space. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep that going. My gym's in Easton, Massachusetts. It's LozonMMA.com. Um, but yeah, no, but, you know, thank you guys for having me. Anytime, man. We'll have Thanks, to have if, if, depending on how long this quarantine goes, we'll have to have you back. I mean, Dude, I'm back. I'm yeah, down. Yeah. down. Definitely. Guess is your early good internet connection, right. good I answers. Good you're smarter you guys than us. appreciate, it, but I got a good microphone right here. I got a, a oh, we don't don't think we didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> don't think we didn't notice he's the original troll. Let's not forget that it. he's well versed in, in uh, trolling. Ready. Whatever you get. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Uh, for AK, that's Casey, everyone's favorite mustachioed hipster. That was Joe. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, YouTube, all the fun stuff. But until Wednesday, we're out. Bye, guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.